Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And today we're here to review what is sadly the final episode of season one of Andor, uh, Rick Road. So it's a 10 out of 10, and uh, thank you all for joining us. And uh, tune in next week, right? I think we're done. Totally get you. I get you. I, I totally agree with you. But you know what, Stephen? There is some news, and we do need to talk about the show. Fine. All right. William, what's the news? Well, I'll keep it brief, but we have some exciting, uh, exciting news actually breaking today as we're recording this. The Mandalorian season three premieres on March 1st. So we, we had a feeling it'd be, you know, uh, late February. I think previously they'd announced it would come out in February. Uh, but it's just, just one day late after that. March 1st uh, is when the Mandalorian and Grogu return. I cannot wait to see what happens. I mean, we're going to get, uh, we're going to get Mandalore. We're going to get oh so many good, so much good stuff. I don't know. Are you guys as excited as I am? I, I'm probably I a little bit less excited, I would say, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to see the Mandalorian part where they go back to Mandalore and just the shot of his ship coming into Mandalore and that city just in ruins. I just want to, I, I want to see just Bo-Katan be Bo-Katan in this and just be brutal to him. Like you heard in the trailer, where were you when this happened? And and I want to see all this play out. So oh, I can't we wait. We will. We will. Yeah, it'll it'll be great. But before we get to for that, you know, we have we've got the Bad Batch, of course, coming out in just a month. Bad Batch season two starts, and of course, the season finale of Andor. So Tom, why don't you take us into our review? Well, tonight we are reviewing the season finale of season one and or episode 12, Rick's Road, directed by Benjamin Karen and written by Tony Gilroy. This episode sees Cassian return home to Ferrex, a tinderbox that is experiencing a spark of rebellion. Now, anybody other than me, were you guys also so tense during this episode for just getting to the buildup? Yeah, it's I think this was just has become like the signature style for Andor. Like every I shouldn't say every episode, but like all the best episodes have this like building dramas, like the very storylines we've been watching, you know, in this case throughout the entire season, just start to weave together until you just get this, you know, building crescendo and just oh just amazing. Like every minute of it. And like I was really afraid it was gonna be like a short episode and we get like a full 50 minute runtime, just you know, couldn't couldn't ask for anything else. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree more. The like this was the culmination of all of the storylines we've been seeing throughout the episode, and some of them were such disparate storylines, right? And they were, they were like, how are they going to bring all this together? I, even last week, I was wondering, okay, we've only got one episode left. How are they going to resolve everything? How are they going to do this? Bring it all together in like one episode, and yet somehow they did it in the most perfect way. I was so impressed. And to uh, your mm. point, Stephen, it's it's how they built up to it as well, right? This is 
been they've been building up to this the whole season really um but you know the way they introduce all the characters and start moving all the chess pieces into place and then the explosion hits at the end it's oh it's just it's pitch perfect it it, it was fantastic mm-hmm. it, oh. yeah i i'm curious to get your guys opinion i think this might be the best episode of star wars television we've ever gotten i i would have to hands down agree with you on this there i'm trying to remember there was a mandalorian episode that i would say for mandalorian for the mandalore was a perfect episode but this one outshines even that one and i'm so trying to remember which one yeah. it was because and that's think, to be clear there are episodes of other shows and such and like even andor which i also dearly love and think were amazing but all a lot of them have um like the previous episode, like, you know, the Luton's uh, space battle, like that's a thing that just appeals to me on like a mm-hmm. primal level and is amazing. This mm-hmm. both achieved that. And I think it was just one of the best episodes of like, in terms of writing, directing story, like it fired on all cylinders for 50 right. minutes. And was and, I, I honestly like just perfect. Like mm-hmm. I, I could not and would not change a thing about this episode. Yeah, and I, I think, think you I think, did go ahead William oh I was gonna say on a technical level right it was just sure there are to your point Stephen there are there are moments where I'm like oh my gosh as a fan I I geek out I'm so excited right Luke Skywalker returning or um Mm -hmm. there's there's so many moments that are just like oh my like all of course the moments from the Clone Wars right there's so many Mm -hmm. amazing amazing battles and moments but as a as a purely like the way it all comes together and builds up to this crescendo and just on a technical level and the writing and the acting and everything. Yeah. This, this may be, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I have to go, I have to do some deeper thinking about it, but it's, it's definitely up there and it may be one of the best, if not the best episodes of Star Wars television. And I think Steven, for me, you hit on a really good point. It was the moving of the chess pieces how in this episode they were able to bring here comes Deidre, here comes Cyril, here comes, you know, Luthen, here comes Andor. How how all that moved, not in a very quick way and not taking too long for that movement to, to, to happen, but it seemed like everything that moved at a very natural pace that made the episode work and breathe, and especially, especially the funeral. Uh, that funeral procession, how that technically for me, even like the Imperials, really came out of nowhere. You saw them warming up for it, but you never just saw, you never expected it just to like, everybody just like, we're warming up for it. And then just, it just happens. Because you could tell the Imperials were just like, they were supposed to have a specific time with so many people and they were in the right spot technically. But that whole buildup and moving of things to get to that point, for the, I will say, explosion to happen and everything just go was amazing to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, sorry, go ahead, William. Nope. Okay. So, Cassian arrives on Ferrix as we kind of expected. Um, and we actually started with a, a flashback as Cassian vision, uh, visits his father's um, funeral stone or funerary stone, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Marva has been cremated into. And it's just, a fantastic just like moment in a nutshell of Clem talking about, you know, you 
people think this is a piece of junk, but you blow some dust off of it and look what you've got. And it's mm -hmm. just such, again, like they did such a great job of hammering that home and it, like hammering that core message home, like between this mm -hmm. and dynamics, like just, ah, everything was perfect. But I really, really yeah. liked the flashback. Yeah, it, 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 it was nice to bring back Clem and like you said, tie that into, you know, hit, First, his father died, right? And he goes and visits his father's uh, basically burial place, right? And then we see his his mother's funeral. And we didn't talk about this. I think it's worth talking about because in our, the last episode, we, we remarked about how Marva just was killed off screen, right? And this explains that, right? And mm -hmm. I think this was the, it was the perfect decision to kill her off screen because mm -hmm. then she could come back effectively, right? In such a big way with her really her epilogue um right and uh, oh man and and what yeah, epilogue it, it, at that yes oh, oh my god yes yeah oh yeah okay so you know i think the first we started talking about like it, it, it's a crescendo right it starts it starts to build up we see all the chess poop pieces moving into place deidre arrives Wilman Pak, we see building a bomb, and that just adds tension of its own, right? Because you know he has a holler from his father in the background. You could tell he is upset about what happened uh, to Salman Pak. Um, and of course, we see that the explosion later. You know, Brasso is there, and he he learns that Cassian's coming. Uh, and of course, Nurchi learns this as well and reports on it. You know, Sinta's monitoring things. Luthen arrives even, right? Uh, Cyril arrives and leads, meets up with Linus Mosk. They're really moving all of the chess pieces into place. I, I, I want to go to the scene with, with Cyril and, and his buddy on mm -hmm. that transport. Don't ask me why, but I had to chuckle when they sat there and, and changed hats. I, I thought just, it was just one of those moments that you're just watching and you would sit there and think that, Oh yeah, they're just two guys sitting across from each other on a bus. They don't know it. And then all of a sudden, boom, they, they, I don't know why that made me laugh. I thought it was just like, it was an interesting touch and it worked. And their hats, I didn't go back and watch, but I, my recollection is they each were swapping hats because those were the types of hats they were wearing. And, and I think I, it, when right. they were both part of the, the core. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. Yeah. And I, I think it goes a long way towards showing like these these are two men that have not uh, let go of their past. They're both hunting a, like a gl the glory days effectively that don't exist anymore for them. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just like watching Cyril insert himself into the situation yet again, just he's got to learn. <laughs> well, yeah. he's, he would think he's got to learn, learn, but but can I can I jump to that really quick? Yeah, yeah let's do it. That the one thing. The one thing I have to say, where the, the actress who plays Deirdre, to, to be in a crowd like that, to basically, they're beating up on her, just her acting alone, where she's saved, okay, they get into that room, and the terror that was on her face before she realized it was Cyril, okay? I mean, you want to talk about some gorgeous acting. And Cyril to keep a straight face, but that creepy smile on it was like. No, since oh, we're since we're talking about ahead. this scene, uh, so I I love on so many levels 
this is the lowest moment for Deirdre. She's mm-hmm. been caught yes. in yes, yes, yes. a crap, like in, in the rebellion she's been so terrified of. She is ill-equipped for it. You know, she's she's not a stormtrooper. She's not uh, like, that's it's not what her job is. And she knows it. Um, yep. And she gets captured. She realized she's rescued by Cyril. It is, again, the lowest moment of her life. In that moment, you can tell Cyril's kind of interested in her and she wants nothing to do with him. Yep. Yeah, and it's the disgust on her face is perfect. I, yeah, the, what I thought most interesting about this scene in particular was, I you see so many emotions cross her face in the span of yeah. a, such a short time, right? Because as you yeah. said, she, she's in her lowest point. She's about ready to fight because someone like, I mean, he he's even pointing a gun at her back, right? Briefly, because um, I think he's trying to, I, I suspect, trying to get her just to like move. Um, it, first we can save her um and she sees him and you're right there's a little there's there's certainly disgust but it was also some sort of like shock maybe almost admiration in some way like a like she Uh, feels disgusted about it you know like she but she's there was all these emotions It, it was almost one of the things where it's like it's like almost like she's gonna kill him or kiss him or both you know yeah, it's like... that's, that, and that was and that was the thing where i'm sitting there just going in the back of my head just just don't do it yeah don't exactly smack, yeah smack him just smack him but just don't but then again that like i said he had that creepy smile it's like dude seriously don't do it this right. is not the time exactly not but, in this part but her her, her when she says you how it the, everything was just so perfectly yeah. played and you could just see the yeah. thousand emotions going past her face and you had no idea what was going to happen next in that moment absolutely very well acted. i i loved i loved that scene oh my god you want to talk about one of the best ones in star wars that was like one of the best the the oh god there's so many scenes that stand out one of the other scenes i really appreciate in this episode so after cassian has visited the funerary stone he is uh First of all, he go, like goes to kind of hook up with the rest of his friends, see what's going on. Um, and we kind of, he very quickly learns that Bix has been captured. Mm-hmm. And the thing we all kind of expected of like, Cassian's gonna try and sneak into Marva's funeral, off the table. Cass, like, Cassian's not wasting time on, you know, his mother who's passed away. Like, she's not gonna care if he's there or not in some ways, but he does care about his friend. And so he sets into motion these events and he goes and meets Brasso underground as he's kind of getting to put his plan together. And like we've talked about the dialogue and writing in this show, like throughout the entire season, I think this this particular scene might take the cake. I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, like Cassian is he? You can tell he feels guilty. He argued with her. He yelled at her. He said he was going to come back mm-hmm. and didn't. And right. Marva speaking through Brasso is just like heartbreaking in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, like it just the like. Well, I, I appreciate you writing down the full quote, William. Like, tell him none of this is his fault. It was already burning. He's just the first spark of the fire. Tell him he knows everything he needs to know and feels everything he needs to feel. And when the day comes and those two pull together, he will be an unstoppable force for good. Summary of Cassian in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. And it makes sense. It would come from his mother, right, who knows him best. And yep. that uh, I think this is the most pivotal scene in the show. This is the moment there are many moments that pushed Cassian toward becoming joining the Rebel Alliance. This is the moment that I think he makes the decision, whether he knows it or not. Yet, this is the moment when his when Agreed. when his mother first tells him, "I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong," 
right? Because oh, he feels I... guilty. And mm-hmm. then she tells him, again, all, all through Brasso, that he has everything he needs to be a rebel. He just needs to bring everything together, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the moment he decides. And it is the most crucial moment of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that just yeah. before this, we also get him listening to Nemec's manifesto as well. And mm-hmm. like also Nemec, Absolutely. amazing job, great writer. Yep. Oh, just, oh yeah. It, yeah. It, it, that also was a great scene. And I think it, it's certainly the combination, right? There's there's Marva's epilogue later, her, her big speech, Nemec's manifesto. We of course saw um uh, you know, the, the prison, right? And I think we'll talk about this in our season recap too, where we talk about all the ways that, that Cassian was pushed toward the rebellion and, and shaped. But mm. yes, Nemec's manifesto was a piece of it, but, and it was it's phenomenal writing again, but it's the Marva scene, I think, with through Barrasso that is what ultimately makes him make the decision. But just impeccable writing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, it's one of those things. Like, you show someone just this sequence, and I think you've made the case to watch this show. I mean, you shouldn't show oh, the last episode. But <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just, well, it is perfect. Like, I don't know what else to say, you know? Yeah. Well, now, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. So, another scene I, I thought was just so well written was Mon Mothma yes. in the shuttle. Yes, oh, yes, yes. my gosh. Oh, oh. oh. can oh. can. Can, can I say this? Okay. Not only, not only did she throw him under the bus, she put him in front of it to be hit. He went over it. He got hit on the side and the bus not only ran over him, but flat. She laid him out oh. to the empire right there. My mouth hit the floor. And you could how see how much did. it killed her. You know, yes. but she, I think she yes. realized the only way to gather their, the to to explain away the money temporarily, right, is to throw her husband under the bus and basically be like, yeah, yeah, it's that old gambling thing. I can't believe you'd gamble, you you know. And she yeah. did it knowing Cloris was listening. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. <laughs> and everybody knew he was ISB even from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. But to sit there and even watch it from his point of view when it's just like, oh, he's not listening to us in the front. It's like, well, uh, dude, yeah, he is. Uh, and in, in Perrin trying to deny it only makes it look worse for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's so perfect. And I yeah, I, I especially appreciated we go immediately to the follow up on in the ISB. We're like, oh, uh-huh. man. Well, we did notice some weird activity in her accounts, but I guess now we know what it is. Like, it just... Yep. And and like, Levin yeah. saying they might want to use Perrin in the future, right? He's, he mm-hmm. says that Perrin digging a hole for himself could be useful in many ways. I assume that means useful to the ISB to manipulate Perrin. I guess you could also take that as, you know, they know that Mon Mothma is lying. But I, I got the sense that they fell for it. Um, well, they, they fell for it, but if they're going to use him, they're going to use him to try and get at Mon Mothma. Yeah. Or to try and set yeah. her up. And, yeah. But yeah. think of all the things like she already knew her driver was for the ISB. Now she knows that the ISB is going to be interested in her husband. Like Mon Mothma is over here just playing 40 chess. Because now she has got like if they turn her husband into an informant, all she has to do is start dropping hints to him. And mm-hmm. all like it, she now has a second, a third like route into the ISB. Like it's just right. perfect. Yeah. And yet it's yeah. also like even though she doesn't trust him, right? 
they are married, right? She she does. Um, I don't know. If, I guess you could make the argument. Do the question. You ask the question. Does she love him or not? But you know, like it is painful to try to throw him under the bus like that and mm-hmm. use him as a scapegoat for the lost month, the lost you know money, and like she 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 honestly she kind of has to sell out in a word both her husband and her daughter in this episode in order to to save the rebellion right because then we right you think oh well she she figured out a solution she's good she's done mm-hmm. right yay wipe your hands okay that was painful but parent is parent right he's kind of a jerk he deserved right. it a couple minutes later or sorry at the very end of the episode we see nope she still had to introduce her daughter to Davos Golden's son. And okay, it, but, it's but simple. That... She's explained where the money, the the irregularities in her accounts came from with her husband. Right. And now she's securing a way to get, like, continue her money laundering effectively for the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, this is her fully committed to the rebellion, like, 100%. Exactly. And right. it, it, it kills her, but she knows that's what she has to do. And that's, I think, what makes these scenes so fascinating to watch is that and so 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 and so compelling is that you you can see Genevieve O'Reilly and she plays the scene perfectly like struggling with that do I turn in my do I basically sell out my family so that I can protect the rebel the the rebel alliance which I I believe so strongly in Mm -hmm. it's yeah but but that's the thing I mean when it comes to the daughter and we saw in the last episode her and her friends were kind of going through let, let's call it the old ways of, of Chandrella, okay? Mm-hmm. And it seemed like in the old ways of Chandrella, there were arranged marriages. And it seemed like when you saw uh, Mon and her sister discuss this, they got away from that. But it's the girls or the society on Coruscant that was starting to pick that stuff up again. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Mon Mothma felt uncomfortable with the introduction, but she went along with it because it was the wants of the daughter? She didn't no, force she, her daughter into it because her daughter was basically going that way anyway. for the money. It's yeah. it's for the money, and I think this is an example well, it's, where it's, it's, it's for the money. It's it's I, I understand her, it's for the money. This is her conscience speaking because this is the case. Her daughter is happy to do this, so it's not. Yeah, and, and that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah it's that's not what I'm getting her, at. Her forcing her daughter to do it. Mon Mothma right. knows she could wash it. Like she doesn't have to do anything, and it will happen the way she wants. Like she needs it to happen. But right, she's right. making a deliberate choice, mm-hmm. knowing that even though her daughter wants to do it, she thinks it's the wrong choice. And she's Absolutely. pushing for it to happen anyway, taking responsibility for a mistake that she knows her daughter will probably regret later right, in right. order to do what's right for the rebellion. Right. And okay. that's kind of what I was getting at. And it's, you know, there's a difference between her daughter wanting to go back to the old ways, right, of arranged marriages, etc., get married young, and introducing her daughter to the son of a criminal right yeah uh, yeah and i think good point that's that's where she said even if she it doesn't matter what her daughter wants right that's great okay whatever but it's it's more the decision she makes to say well let me introduce you to this particular person knowing mm-hmm. that what she'll get out of it that's i think what, what pains got her it. the most i okay. think got I it got it wrong. got it but oh it's just it's just so well written, and and we also, uh, as we were talking about ISP earlier, we also get an offhand, uh, kind of an offhand comment that 
uh, Anto Krieger and all of his men were killed. Uh, it all happens yeah. off screen. Um, Deidre is upset. Um, but, you know, Partagas basically says you got to find Axis. If you want in- Intel, part, uh, find Axis. This was revenge for Aldani. And it, it shows, it gives the Empire an opportunity to do, have revenge for what happened because they as the empire they need to be able to have revenge there they were going ultimately to have revenge for aldani but the way they did this i thought was was fascinating from a a storytelling perspective because you want the heroes to have a win and they didn't really take away the win from the heroes while still giving not making the empire feel weak all right um so i thought that was well done there yeah, agreed. Yep, agreed. Oh. Agreed. Also, so let's let's get let's get. Oh, wait a minute. I was going to say. I was going to say before we get, get to the, the funeral because that, that's that's the okay, big, okay. that's the big moment. All right, all right, all right. I did want to call out right. one thing I thought was really interesting. Luthen's arrival on Ferrix. I don't know about you guys, but they had some major Darth Maul on Tatooine vibes, uh, like the black hooded, the robes, the hood, the speeder bikes. I, I almost feel like the shots were similar. Um, mm. it was. I'm gonna I, have to watch it again. I didn't feel it. Yeah, and, yeah, I didn't and, notice that either. I think it's intentionally yeah. just a parallel. It's not supposed to imply any. Well, maybe it implies that he's a little bit of a gray area character, right? But mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a nice touch, at least. Okay. Anyway, sorry. The funeral. To the funeral. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, man, where to start? First, I got, know. I love that, you know, the Empire has tried to organize this thing so meticulously, and they're not having, like, Citizens of Ferrix not having any of it. They start when they want to start. They're yeah. like supposed to be one small portion of the road. They take up the entire thing. Um, and again, they just it does such a good job of building to that moment with, you know, this like kind of marching band um, playing along. Um, and as they, you know, march down the street to place her funerary stone and like mm. Brasso carrying the stone, like just continuing to show that he is an amazing human being uh just such a powerful scene mm-hmm. yeah didn't, and didn't this kind of i was gonna say didn't this kind of remind you episodes back when the empire first got there and they were chasing bix and everybody in the streets for the first time they were doing that whole banging thing not the empire the the cyril's group they were yeah. banging all that stuff again making all that noise and it was the mm-hmm. kind of the same feel in this but it was with a band this time and just about the same thing happened where everything stopped. You could just feel when the sound stopped, the tension that was in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause that's, and that's exactly what I was going to mention. The, the way this show plays with music and sound is, Oh, the sound is incredible. Consistently phenomenal, right? It's things you don't normally yeah. see in, even in star Wars either. Right. Or, or even other shows yeah. for that matter. they, they do a really good job of of building the tension through the music. And in this case, the funeral procession, they actually had the actors play all the instruments live on set so that it sounded messy and imperfect and like a group of people were just playing, you know, playing their heart out in memory of this, this beloved person, mm-hmm. a member of their society. And it kind of made it a little off kilter and a little ominous, right? Especially as the procession kind of comes together from all parts of the city and, and, and forms in one place. It was yeah. just, I'm, I'm almost getting goosebumps just talking about it now again. Right. It's just, yeah. it's, it's that, it's that good. And, and um, 
actually they, they, there was an interview where Nicholas Patel, the composer, talked about how he started with this piece, figured out how it would sound, and then that's how the rest of the show's sound came to be. Wow. Um, wow. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Yeah. I, I just love how the citizens were just like, I think, Steve, when you mentioned earlier, it's like, yeah, we're going to do it on our own terms. Yeah, they only wanted Empire, like I mentioned, only wanted like 40 people, mm. only half a block, specific location. No, this was the whole town. We're starting it on our terms. We're going to do it this way. And to see the riot squad of Imperial soldiers get out there in front and just kind of hold everybody there was perfect because it was like that was the point that was the flashpoint when that big hologram of Merva got up there. That was also just it was almost in my house. It was it was like you could hear a pin drop and it seemed like it was the same thing on the set because yeah. that's where your attention was supposed to be mm-hmm. on that hologram. Yeah. And this is the moment that this speech is so crucial because it gives Marva closure and it helps show how, you know, and Luthen gets to watch this, right? He he watches from uh, you know from down the street, and he sees Marva, this 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 former separatist, this woman who wants to rebel against the Empire, who is inspired I, by Aldani. I think it's even better than that. I don't think he knows. I mean, maybe he knows something about Marva just from like what he learned about Cassian. But I like to imagine at least he doesn't know who this person exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He doesn't know her background. Yeah. All exactly. he's seeing is someone inspired by the things he put into place and a genuine grassroots re- rebellion, insurrection. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, yep. That That's he, exactly what I was, exactly what yeah. I was saying. And he, he's, he's almost, it's, it's like the culmination of all he's worked for. Right. Mm-hmm. He's start finally starting to see, you know, he's, he's, he's tried to light that spark and now it's setting the galaxy ablaze. And, it's a big moment for him and it's a big moment for Ferex as well. It's just oh. it, her speech. And I, I love that it, it starts out almost innocuous as she kind of talks about, you know, not, not having expecting to find herself there going to her, uh, you know, other viewings and being inspired. And then you can tell like, and the empire is watching like they're, and I'll, we'll talk more about the empire's behavior in a moment, but like, Mm-hmm. that buildup as she starts talking about, you know, a wound at the center of the galaxy that won't heal, a darkness ta- seeping like rust, you know, echoing back to uh, Clem's flashback mm-hmm. where he's removing rust from tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just amazing. Like probably one of the best like inspirational speeches I think we've gotten in star Wars. And I don't know that that's what it was intended as. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it was intended that way, but just like, wow, yeah, and and, and you know, you, you almost like you almost feel as she's talking, she's dead, right? But you're almost like, don't say it, dude. If you say the empire, like you're, they're gonna come down, and you don't, don't, don't do it. And then she says right. it, like, oh my god, she said it, you know. And then, uh, you know, and, and really the inspires come everyone. down on it, yeah. yeah oh, and the they, they did it because the 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 one guy, let let's call him the the captain of the guard, got so mad he ran out there threw his cape over BMO and knocked him over, Yeah, you know, because he wanted that to stop. But then that was the point in which it's like all hell just broke loose. Uh, yeah, it is. I just want to say like very briefly, I think one of the things I appreciate most in some ways, like <sighs> the empire is very evil. We are aware of this. Mm-hmm. The amount of 
restraint and discipline that the Empire shows throughout this sequence is kind of odd in today's world. Like, it it, it is a little bit on the jarring side, but, like, the tr you know, the officer comes up and throws, attempts to throw a blanket over the hologram. He kicks over Bimo. Like, these are obviously not good things. When the riot right. begins, they don't fire into the crowd. They only do that after, like, an explosive device is thrown at them. And even then, only after an officer actually orders them to open fire. Like, there's a surprising amount of discipline, which is just, is really cool to see and a reminder of, like, this is also why the Empire is terrifying. Because right. you, you kind of can't picture this in any other situation. No, and, and but I also, think, I, I think yeah, this I was, is. I was, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, go go ahead and finish. I was just gonna say, I think this is an indicator of where we are in the galaxy right now. Right, the the Empire is evil. Yes, they are, but they're they have to be. They still have to be kind of subtle, right? The the Senate still exists. The Empire hasn't dissolved the Senate. Um, yeah. The, the Empire can't just be overtly evil. They have to be a little subtle about it. They have to have a, a plausible deniability for everything they do, right? They mm -hmm. sure they can ratchet up people's sentences because they're being they're being bad, right? They can um, put them back in you know, prison as we see earlier in the in the uh, in the series because uh, you know who's gonna know, right? Uh, they can take they can come in and occupy a planet because there was an uprising, but they can't just start killing people. Uh, and, and so they have to have, they have to show some restraint. And I think also they were just kind of almost dumbfounded by what was happening. They almost didn't know how to react. I felt like, yeah. I, I think I, I totally agree with you with on that because you could tell by the, it was either the, the, Oh God, there were two guys that were basically yelling orders. There was one that actually, after the bomb hit, told the stormtroopers to open fire. Mm, was, but then there was the one, there was the one that was actually um, with the riot guys. You could tell that he was like, I'm in a situation where you almost felt he was over his head. Yeah. Tigo, his, the Tigo and yeah. 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 Right. Because they, they did not have the firearms. It was the stormtroopers that had the firearms. They only had batons and stuff to, to basically just beat people. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's a pretty incredible scene. Also, just as like a note, I think, I think Marva would have been happy that Brasso uses her stone to like oh. beat an Imperial officer. Yeah, over absolutely. Like, culmination, I think, of her life's work is in that moment right there. Yeah, we never find out what happens to her her funerary stone. Maybe it shattered. Maybe it was fine. But I don't oh, think it, she it was can, fine. No, it's I not think, shattered. I, I no, didn't watch because I expected it to yeah. break. And I, Absolutely. I don't know if we see what happens to it, but it did not get shattered. Well, that, I agree with Steven because more, I watched the show. Yeah. I think it's even more appropriate, right? Uh, yeah. I think that's exactly what she would have wanted, as you said, um, to be that the 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 opening smack, really, in the in the in the yep. fight. Yeah. Ugh. But it's not until Wilman's Wil Wilman's bomb explodes that just every like the Empire just takes off the off the gloves and just starts firing. Uh, and then I got to say, I'm very impressed. This was an episode in which you saw actual stormtroopers hit their targets. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were so many targets, Tom. Can you no, really I, guarantee, you know, that they were hitting the right ones? Uh, good point. Uh, good point. But still, but, but honestly, if you want to make a situation scarier for the people, you actually have your your troops hit targets. Yeah. 
And that I yeah. think really just made this this just so tense and just so your mouth is on the floor when all this started happening yeah. at that point when the bomb exploded. I think if I could give if I had one complaint about this episode, and it's the tiniest itsy bitsy little complaint, it's that there were there was still some plot armor on the secondary characters. Um, Zamwan died, but pretty much everyone else survived. Um, you know, Brasso survived, B two EMO survived, Wilmun survived, Jesse survived, even Pegla survived. You know. There, most of the named characters made it out of the Bix survived. Mm-hmm. Most of the named characters made it out of the episode, which I think is nice because I I want to see them again. I'm I'm glad. Like I, Brasso is he's a, a fantastic. I love Brasso, and I hope he you know and and B two EMO, and I don't want them anything to happen to them. But um, I guess that's the only tiny little thing you could quibble about is just the fact that. Yeah, the stormtroopers didn't actually kill anyone of importance. Ultimately, there's a couple of characters that we've we're at least familiar with, you know, that do get killed, but they're like reasonable. Very, yeah, very background. <laughs> it, it didn't that part. Well, okay, you want to talk about a okay? There's you finally saw that ISB guy. He got his due, man. When Cinta got him, oh, Corb, he said, he said, yeah, yeah, that was that was one of. The, it's, you're waiting for that because you're looking at this going, dude, you are so obvious. And at this point, you're like, that was the perfect person to take him out. Like, what are you doing here? And then just took him out, left him in the room, shut the door. He's gone. Yep. Yeah. Also, Bix survives. Thankfully, she she doesn't look very well. Like she was she seemed to think she dreamt that Cassian had returned previously. Um, but it, it was, it was nice to see Cassian go and, and rescue her while everything else is, is going on. Cause he, he knows that she's captured because of him and he's trying to save her and do right by her, which was nice to see. Um, so yes, I guess, you know, the, the group escapes, they head off to Genji, Genji moon, uh, and Cassian, says he'll join them i guess we'll see if that happens in season two we got a nice heartfelt goodbye between cassian and b2 emo and of course ask the the droid to take care of bix do you guys think we'll we'll see them again oh yeah i think so i well i think they're too important as characters to have them disappear entirely like and i I think they're too popular in this show in the season as well I agree. I think so too. I, I mean, there were, yeah. there was even, um, I even saw some rumors that they were approaching Adria Arjana for maybe like a spinoff series, uh, about, I Bix thought they did sign sort. that already. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it actually happened. Nothing was officially announced, but I saw some reports that they had approached her, uh, for some sort of series. Um, I guess a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> but you hey, never know. She's a great yeah. character, so you know. A little uh, bit on the confusing side, no, and nothing to worry about. And sometimes they do that just to have the option of doing it in the future, even if it will never come to pass. Um, but uh, I guess one we we talked about uh, Deidre and Cyril, but one question I had for you guys: I just want to circle back to that real briefly. 
where do you think their story will go next? Are they going to team up? Are they, I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I think at this point, she's, he's going to somehow end up in the ISB. I, I just, he's got to get either his job back. She, he's, I, I think as a character, he's got too much of, let's say a bloodhound in him to give up on his quarry. He wants Andor bad. He has so far been in her eyes at the right place at the right time where hell breaks loose and very close to Andor. So somehow going into the next season, I think he's still going to be associated in some way to her. That's what I see. I, I think you're right, Tom. Like, I think we'll see him join the ISB and probably realize that maybe it's not everything he wanted it to be. Um, I don't expect Deidre to ever like him. No, uh, no, 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 I, no. I suspect he may end up getting uh, caught between Blevin and Deidre, actually, like a pawn in their games as they, mm. you know, fight for power, potentially. I like that theory. That's I like interesting. It. I like it, too. Yeah. Yeah, Very we'll cool. see. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I I think we'll get to like, not the after the end, but the, the last part, this is what I really liked. Luthen got back to his ship, walks in, thinks everything's okay. He's talking to the, the nat, let's call it nav computer, well, or talking to the ship. Before we get to but, that, I think okay, it's also ahead. important to note, like Luthen, so Luthen has arrived there, meets up with Val and Sinta. Oh, his goal point. is to kill Cassian. He is there to kill Cassian and put this loose end down. And when everything blows up, he kind of stops, like his mission ceases to be, and then he returns to his ship. And I think at this point, he's already decided to leave Cassian alive. Mm. Well, I think he's seen his mother sense. is such a rebel. He's like, even, I think he realizes that Cassian's not going to go out tournament. Right? He's, he's, no. I think he knows Cassian is okay to leave alive. Right. Exactly. Well, also, also, at that point, Luthen could always say, well, I've got a good asset that I can always come back and use later if need be, because he's already proven himself once. And somehow if he's able to get himself back here and survive this mess, then that would be a good asset later to use. So that's an, that was an option at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, Until, so he arrives at, at his craft or yeah. his ship. Uh, yeah, so, he enters, he he calls out to his, you know, assist AI assistant to plot something. Nothing happens. And it's that moment he walks in, sees the blaster there, turns, and Cassian's just looking at him. This was, was another <sighs> great scene. <laughs> and and where Cassian is, he even says, you're going to kill me, right? He knows Luthen was yep. going to kill him. And... Uh, Luthen kind of acknowledges it and he's like, well then, and this is the, like, the great line. He's like, kill me or take me in. And Luthen just smiles and it's, he's in. Cassian mm -hmm. is part of the rebellion. Not how I envisioned the, the show ending as we talked about <laughs> last week, but like, I, I will own up to my mistake. I thought this was very solid as well. I, I think it's, it's the only way to work because how else could you have brought him into the rebellion? You're sitting there with a mission to kill the guy. 
you can't just sit there with open arms going, come on in, guy, come into the rebellion. It's like it's best for Cassian to sit there and put the two and two pieces together. Because remember, Cassian did see him in town. That's one thing we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he did see him. And he knew at that point, Luther was only there for one reason, to kill him, not to watch the funeral of his mother, yep. not to get involved in the rebellion that was going to go on, just to sit there and kill him. So what bet what better way than to confront him on his own ship and say, kill me or whatever you're doing on the outside or whatever you're doing, take me in. It's it's also kind of impressive because if you if we didn't know we were getting a second season, I would bet that we're not. Like based on how this episode ends. Like it it caps off every major plot point from the season. It yep is just perfect like there's yeah there's nothing to change or adjust like it's just perfect yeah yeah and, and that's what i love it, you know i was wondering is it going to be a big cliffhanger is it going to be a but they they resolved everything for the most part right and it is the perfect i thought the perfect lead into season two because you know you could stop it there or you could continue and you know yep. that there's going to be some great adventures that maybe we'll see. And maybe we won't, of course we know we will. Um, right. but it was a very, it was a very satisfying ending. I think to, to the first season. I thought it was great. It was just, ah, oh. yeah, mm. absolutely. And, and we, sorry, go ahead. No, just, just, I'm just, I was very, happy. we even get a, uh, a post credit teaser, which I was <laughs> most certainly not expecting. Um, oh, ditto. We find out what it is that Cassian and all the other prisoners were building with a very dramatic shot um, as they pull back from like a satellite array kind of vibe. And never mind, it's the Death Star. <laughs> How did you guys feel about this reveal? Oh, I had absolutely no problem with it because we were always trying to figure out what were they building? You know, mm. was it a piece for an at-at? What is, was it a piece for, you know... Uh, Something on Scarret. What was it? A piece for this, a piece for that. Was it for Star Destroyers? And it seemed it was a logical piece to go into the Death Star because now you can say this definitely ties it into Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can say Cassian built the the thing that killed him, which oh is my gosh, you know, yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I I also appreciate it. Like I. I felt like the the shot of the Death Star, like you got the uh, what do you call it, the the dish, mm-hmm. right? Um, the like being inserted into the rest of the Death Star. It very much reminded me of the Andor logo as well, mm. like especially the way it fades into the beginning of every episode, like the way the lighting is on it. Like it just felt mm. very similar. To I think me. that's intentional. I'll have to okay. look. At the I think that's again. very intentional. Um, I I think it's a nice subtle like look. It's Andor, but it's leading into the Death Star type of thing. Um, I, I think maybe the logo was designed in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think my only real question is just like, we're how many years out from episode four at this point? Uh, four. Like I just, it, one of those things, like, I don't know how long it takes to build the Death Star, and I feel like it's slightly inconsistent in how far along it is at this point. But I, I don't know. Cause like, I guess they, well, I, we saw I, the I, plans and Attack of the Clones. At the end of Revenge of the Sith, right. they already had a frame being built. That's true. We know that they had so many delays and so many times they had to restart or build another one. Or, you know, so it, I don't, it makes complete sense to me that they're, sure, they're still building stuff, but it's, 
who knows if it's actually like they might have scrapped all the parts that the Cassian and the rest of the prisoners built by the time the Death Star actually becomes operating. Yeah, the, there was a defect. They decided to make it in a different prison planet, but also realize they you see the outer shell of the Death Star being built. That's true. You don't know how much it's of the, the inner stuff built. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah like a house. You know, they built the frame and then they they have to build the yeah, and then, <laughs> the, then, all then the, they fill it out the floors and the rooms. No, I, I I like you guys. I appreciated the reveal. I I like that they kept it as a as a post-credits scene because it's not critical to the story, right? You don't need to know what they were building in the prison. But we were all curious, right? And we yeah. all kind of wanted to know what it was. And so I think it's a nice, it's not one of those post-credits scenes where it's like, oh, here's a teaser for something else. It's just like, here's a teaser for what, here's not here's a, or here's the reveal of what you were all kind of wondering and isn't super critical to the story, but we'll give it to you anyway type of thing. And I, I like that. It, sure, is it is it the most obvious thing? Yes, it is. But it was a great reveal, nonetheless. I don't have a problem with it. I yeah, enjoy it. It works. Yeah. And I think that's what's no, great about the show works. is they 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 never really they were not they never just did fan service right throughout this whole season. It was always everything had a point. And sure, there might be little references or little things here or there where, where it made sense, but. I can't really point to anything that was like, oh, they did that just for fan service. And even this Death Star reveal, right? It's just like, oh, you're curious. Here you go. Type of thing. You know, it doesn't doesn't really feel like fan service in any way. But at least it ties in to the Andor story. Just everything about this show is just so good. Oh, absolutely. Oh, love it. So, well, I mean, so, we could we could talk about this forever. I, we will do our season recap soon. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff for about Andor. We'll look back at the episodes and and talk about you know speculate what might happen in season two and all of that. But um, shall for now shall should we get in our ratings? I think. How about you go first? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, uh, you know. I think unsurprisingly, this was just a phenomenal episode. It was it, it the the crescendo. Sometimes there's like great episodes where the first half is kind of a buildup, right? And and then it's not until they get to the second half of the episode where things really kick into high gear. And I think the um the eye is a is a great example of this, right? The beginning of the episode, the eye, I'd say is 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 good. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's good. But the last half of the eye is phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's an excellent, excellent episode. The uh, one way out, I think, is more consistent throughout. Um, but even then, there's a little bit of the beginning, right? It's it kind of like set up some more. While Rick's Road, the whole, a lot of the episode is set up. And you could even argue the whole season, right, has been set up to this moment. Um there was not one moment in Rick's road. It was like, where they, like I felt like you weren't feeling the tension build the entire time and where you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, you were on the edge of your seat. It was just so phenomenal every step of the way. And you know, the, the seeing all the characters come together, the, the whole funeral and how it, that inspires Cassian and um, Mon scenes where she throws, parent under the bus right oh it's, everything's so good and i just i don't have anything i could i don't have any complaints and cassian even 
you know, he, he joins the rebellion at the end and it perfectly sets up season two and I can't wait. I'm so excited. And this was, this was a, f- just an outstanding season. It, yes. It's a slower show. Um, uh, at, at times, but they pay everything off just beautifully. And so I, I have to give this episode a 10. Uh, I, I think there's nothing else I can do is like we said it earlier. It's one of the better, one of the best episodes of star Wars television. And it was just, I, I couldn't have been more happy. So my my 10 Womp Rats were actually guarding uh, Brasso and Bimo in the in the funeral procession on along Rick's Road. Uh, they were there as security, preventing the Empire from doing them any harm. Steven? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Genuinely, I don't know what to say about this episode. It, I don't think I would change a single piece of it it was honestly maybe the highest compliment I can pay it is it wasn't just a phenomenal like episode of Star Wars it was just a phenomenal episode of any TV show period mm-hmm. um, and Andor as a whole is a phenomenal TV show that I would put up there I think with you know other TV shows of great renown you know whatever you want to choose um, and like I think that goes back like to, uh, I think it was Tony Gilroy, um, you know, said he he didn't set out to write you know an amazing Star Wars show. It's why I think we see a little bit less of the kind of, kind of nostalgia baiting that we've gotten in previous shows. He just set out to write a good show, and he, like he and the rest of the team just nailed it and knocked it out of the park. Um, I guess I'm not talking about this episode specifically anymore. I'm talking about the show as a whole, but like, and this episode was the culmination of all of that. Like this is one of those. There's so many shows that, you know, you they have a really solid season and then they kind of have a, a plunker of a season finale. This one just delivered on everything. Um, yeah, like the show is worth watching to see it get to this point, like if that makes sense. So 10, I'm also giving a 10, like obviously phenomenal, um, better than the previous episode. The previous episode had an amazing late, like space fight. That's all I care. That's all I'm here for. And this was even better. Um, so like. Steven's seal of approval. I don't know like if I've ever given that out before, but like this episode and thus this show get. <laughs> um, in my time with Umprats, you know, like obviously it's a lot of heavy labor to install pieces on the Death Star. A lot of their prison forest is starting to, you know, break out. And so they're just, you know, they're working with the what they've got. Ten Wamprats just in little like four-legged spacesuits working through uh, and installing all the Death Star parts together. Um, oh. Yeah, Tom, it goes to you. I, I think it's going to end up being a, a unanimous 10 across the board. I think we've said enough about this episode. Um, this is probably one of the best Star Wars shows that is on TV. And I agree. If Tony Gilroy set out to do just basically write a good show within the Star Wars universe and not have the callbacks to fans that people like and all the other nods to this and that and the other thing, he succeeded, but he still made it feel like it was in universe. He did have, you know, stormtroopers. He did have, you know, things. There were minor call things, but it wasn't blatant. And he he had outstanding writing, outstanding acting, cinematography, everything down the board. Just, I'm really happy when they kicked off the show. They decided to show the first four episodes instead of the original plan of doing the first two. Because we all knew that when we saw that third episode, 
that that's when the show really kicked into gear. And the setup to this point from those two first episodes to the third and then from for- going forward, it's been outstanding to watch. And I will watch this again over the holiday. So I'm giving it a 10. My 10 Womp Rats. See, they were the guys sitting here watching these episodes. And this last one, they were so intense watching everything going on. They basically passed out in front of the TV. And I can't wake them up right now. So they're just basically relaxing in my house because I got nothing to do with them because they're they're just passed out dead on the couch. They couldn't take it. It was just they, they couldn't take the intensity and everything about the episode. So I'm going to take care of them until they wake up. Nice. Well, I, think I, that's, I thought I'd be happy. I, I, I think that's unanimous. This was a phenomenal episode. And, you know, I'm I for one, I'm very excited to look back on this whole season with you guys and dissect our favorite moments. This is just an incredible season. It's the series is really special and I couldn't be couldn't be happier. So, oh, well, any, any other thoughts before we wrap things up? It's going to be a fun wrap up for the uh, season. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it will. Well, yeah, looking forward to that now. Yeah, so am I. Well, with that, we'll we'll let you all go. Thank you for your patience. As uh, of course we were o- with our uh, family and friends for Thanksgiving, but we're back. We'll do our season recap very soon uh, for Andor. Give you guys a little bit of a break for the rest of the holidays, and then we'll be back with our review of the Bad Batch starting at the beginning of January. So. Uh, yeah so one more episode to go and then we'll uh, be on a brief break and we'll come back for uh, Bad Batch early next year so stay tuned for that thank you all for listening I'll be back in about a week or so with our review of the Andor season one just all of season one (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.